All right, thanks, Becky. All right, let's give Becky a hand, you guys, the children's pastor. Uh, all right, my name's Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here at Mariners, and as, uh, as Becky said, we want to help the, the sort of, basically we want to do this. Every week we want the, our kids to live in the midst of the Bible, and so one of the ways we do that is kind of what you're going to experience here today. I'm Jen, and I work in children's ministry, so we're going to get the chance together to um, tell a Bible story, and it's going to be Jesus feeding the 5,000 out of Matthew, and we're going to need your guys' help. So what I need you to do is go ahead and get the brown bag that you were given when you walked in the door, and look inside of it, and when you um, look inside, you'll see that there are some stickers, and in children's ministry, we yeah, love crafts. All about crafts. All now, about here's crafts. the deal. Some of you are thinking, I'm not doing this. I didn't come here for this. <laughs> I came here to hear about the Bible. And I just want to tell you right now, you're going to do it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And the reason why, this is going to be the most profound moment of your entire lives. And yes, some of you are also wondering, you can keep the puppet at the end of the sort of uh, craft time here. Now, here's what it should look like. Go ahead, Jen. This is what it should look like. So it's two eyes, a little mouth like this. So go ahead and put that together. And some people have been putting the mouth like kind of over the, they don't really get it. They kind of, I got it. I know what I'm supposed to do. I get it. And they had a mute puppet, which you'll need that puppet in a little bit. Like my mouth can't open because you put the nose over the special mouth part. So it should look like that. Mouth goes underneath the flap. You guys get it? Some people still trying to figure out eyes. Some of you guys have crazy eyes on yours. That's okay. Good. So once you have it, go ahead and put it on your arm like this. We're going to be calling out different things during the story where we need you guys as the crowd to do some things. So we might have you, like, stand up. So go ahead and put it on your arm and then stand up like this. Good. Three people are standing over here. Standing up. You guys just lift the puppet up into the air. There we go. A couple people standing at attention. We there might we go. have Good. you, let's see, like, nod your head. Let me see you nod your head. We might have you jump. This is jumping. Good. <laughs> and we might have you, like, gasp. So go. <gasps> Okay, this is my favorite thing when we ask people to do this. Yeah. <laughs> because so many people pantomime their puppet. <gasps> like yes. their face does the same thing. So you're welcome to do that. That helps you. You don't have to. No. This, this right here is the same as this. But either one, good. Okay? Good job. Okay, now, go ahead. What else do we need? Um, that's good. We yeah. got it all? Yeah, we got, got everybody? It. Yeah. Now, I'm going to need some volunteers, and here's how we're going to do this. Um, uh, if I call on you, it's got to it's be a grown-up. So I know some of you kids are real excited. Almost. I know. You're almost there, dude. Like, 10, 15 years, you're ready to go. Uh, but we, we're gonna, I'm going to pick up people, and you can just leave your puppet right next to, you know, where, you, where you're sitting right there. And so I just saw, hey, oh, you with the white shirt, are you right here? Your you're son's pointing you already. Hey, you're talking to your daughter right there in the front. Hey, hey. You, you already got pointed to. You already, I want you up here. Can you, can, come on up here. Yeah, right now. You can leave your puppet. Yeah. You're going to be Jesus. You guys, the Lord Jesus right here from room number one over here. He's making his way. You were worried if he was in the building tonight? Or today? There he is, right there. There's the Lord. Okay, now I need a couple of volunteers to be, uh, to be disciples. Again, they have to be grown-ups. And here's how it will work. Wives, girlfriends, uh, you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to point to the person that you came with, the guy that you came with. I'm going to need four disciples. So the most enthusiastic pointing will get you. Oh, because you're resisting. You're the guy right there. If you resist, <laughs> you're automatically up here. And they're like, I'm not putting my hand. Get, stop. Oh, me? Okay, yeah, you. I'm talking to you. Come on up here right now. There you go. Give him a little encouragement. There we go. We got another guy volunteering. I wasn't even pointing to him, but that's all right. Good. Over here, I need a couple of volunteers. Let's see. Ladies, point to the guy. Let's see. Uh, oh, don't you dare. Don't, you're resisting. I saw the resistance. You have to come up here now. Yep. If you resist. Let's see. 
Like you're pointing just in the middle of the yeah, room. I, like I saw it. a finger, but it was way out in the middle of the room. I like that you brought it up. Okay, right there in the back. Right there. Yep, you just got pointed to. You, huh? Right there. Yeah, yeah, you. You're, huh? That's the guy. Okay, make your way up. Here we go. We should have four disciples. Yeah, we got it. Ready to go? All right. Are you ready to go? Jesus, you ready? I'm ready. May I'm I call ready. you by your first name? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, come on up here. Here's our last disciple making his way. He can show a little more hustle. You know what I mean? Because we, we just kind of got something going on here. All right, there he is. Okay, why don't you stand with the other disciples over there? Great. All right, here's what's going to happen. It's called a melodrama, which means I'm going to tell you just kind of, you know, what to do, and then you just, you kind of act it out. And the crowd will let you know if they think it's good enough or not, pretty much, and I'll, I'll help you kind of find your way. All right, so you don't have to know any lines until I give them to you. Okay. You ready to go? Okay, you guys ready? If you're ready, crowd, if you're ready, say yeah. Yeah. With your puppet so we know what we're doing. One, yeah. two, three. Yeah. Okay, wait, you guys, we, okay, this isn't the hardest thing in the world to do. <laughs> On the count of three, you're going to hold your puppet in your hand and say, yeah. That's all it is. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, here we go. This is our story out of Matthew 14, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Here we go. Our story begins one afternoon on a hillside by a lake. Jesus has just learned the tragic news about the death See, now this is the part where you have to act a little bit. Okay. You don't just nod all in agreement. Right, this is where right. you feel sad about this. tragic. I, I was getting there. Okay. Get, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's just learned the tragic news about the death of his friend and cousin John the Baptist. He's overwhelmed with grief. <laughs> Looking for a solitary place, he boards a boat, which has appeared to your right. You probably didn't know it was right there. And he rows himself across the lake. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. He stops rowing because that's probably far enough. And he steps out of the boat. <laughs> For authenticity, good. And the boat magically goes away, which is and the is somewhere in the Bible. Okay. Jesus is in a solitary place, and someone in the audience, uh, right here, you with the, the shirt right, green shirt right here. He says out loud, ready? You, you're the voice of the crowd here. He says, He's in a solitary place. He says it even louder. This time he stands up and says it, actually stands up. And he says, he's in a solitary place. That must mean he wants us to go to him. The whole crowd agrees with a loud, yeah. Yeah. And they all start standing up. You can sit down. You did a great job. They all start standing up, making this sound as they stand. <laughs> Once they realize they're all standing, oh, you actually stood. You know, thank you for the enthusiasm, you guys. I really appreciate that. Everyone didn't see that at all. Okay, here we go. Uh, they're all still standing. Everybody's standing. But just the puppets now. Okay, now you got it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and because they realize they're all standing, they begin to dance in perfect synchronicity to this song. Nice. The song keeps going long enough to cement itself permanently in their minds for the rest of the week. Then out of nowhere... A wave erupts from that side of the room where they actually do stand on their feet now. Go. And it comes over here on your feet now. On your feet. It's a wave all the way across. You're going to send it back. Here we go. And back again. Go, 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 go. Here it comes across the room again. Great. The music is still going. You can hear it still in the background. The crowd is still dancing with Jen. Here we go. There we go. Good. Some a little more synchronicity. All right. Jesus decides that he should end their dancing with his signature dance move. It's a little bit, it's a little bit more appropriate. No, just kidding. Good. No, just kidding. 
Just kidding. Then he does this to finalize his dance move with a super high jump kick. Yes! The crowd, the crowd. Well done. Wow. Well done. Wow. The crowd wow. <laughs> calms itself. <laughs> then this section over here begins to cough in unison. <laughs> Keep coughing. <laughs> Jesus says to them, these guys over here are coughing. Don't worry. Don't worry. With more enthusiasm, he says, don't worry. Don't worry. He says it with a southern accent. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> Good. I'll heal you. I'll heal you. More southern than that. I'll heal you. Oh, yeah, y'all. Y'all? Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> to prepare for his ministry of healing, Jesus does three one-arm push-ups. Can't do that. Who thinks Jesus can do three one-arm push-ups? <laughs> one, two, one more. Three, unbelievable. <laughs> then he points his hand out at the crowd. A little more Jedi-like. Yeah, there you go. Like Maybe something like this. Yeah, there you go. And he says to the crowd, be healed. Be healed. Instantly, the crowd is healed, and they utter out a sound together, which is, thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. The rest of the crowd, awed by his power, all says out loud, wow. Wow. Good. The whole crowd. You guys can also be awed by that, too. Okay, ready? Wow. Good. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. Okay. Uh, let's see. Jesus gives the crowd a thumbs up. Both thumbs. He jumps up and down and gives them a thumbs up. <laughs> Okay, good. Sorry. Uh, the disciples yeah. band together. They link arms. And they tiny hop over to the middle of the stage. Good. Like that. Perfect. Stop right there. Good. The disciples try out their own version of a chorus line, kick line. Right now, in front of everybody, they do it because this is what the disciples did. Look at them coordinating. Look at that. There we go. There it is. Good. They stopped doing that. And then they all say together, it's getting late. They say it louder. It's getting late. <laughs> Very good. We should dismiss the crowd. We should dismiss the crowd. So they can eat. The crowd starts chanting, hungry, hungry, hungry. Jesus looks at the disciples. The disciples look at the crowd. The crowd looks at Jesus. Jesus looks back at the disciples again. Jesus looks at the crowd. The disciples look at the crowd. The crowd, and, the crowd and Jesus look at each other. Jesus looks at the disciples. I don't know why I'm keeping going. Then he, Jesus says in a moment of super, supreme drama, he says to the disciples, you feed them. You feed them. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty good. Can you give them a little, more, a little more punch, a little bit more like? You feed them. Perfect. The disciples look down at the food that they have remaining, and they say together. It's <laughs> pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> They don't start laughing. They hold it together on stage. <laughs> Good job. They say together, we only have five loaves and two fish. We only, we only have, have five loaves and two fish. <laughs> okay, we're going to need you to try and say it a little louder this time. It was kind of like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Okay. <laughs> we only have five loaves and two fish. Say it again. Go. We only, we only have, have five loaves and two fish. This time they do it in perfect four-part harmony. It's a barbershop quartet up here. Okay. Uh, then Jesus stands over the food, looks heavenward, and says, Thank you, Father, for this food. Thank you, Father, for this food. Amen. Amen. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, 
We have to get the food to the whole crowd. We have to get the food to the whole crowd. He tries it with an Australian accent. <laughs> we, we have to get the food to the whole crowd, mate. <laughs> crowd, is that good enough? Do you want to hear him try it again, or is that good enough? Again? Okay, try it again. Mean it this time. Crocodile we have Dundee. to get the... That's not a knife. We have That's... to get the food to the crowd, mate. Good. That was much better. Uh, he says, let's make it a race. Let's, in an Australian accent? Yeah. Let's make it a race. Perfect. That was great. The disciples divide themselves into two teams, a red team and a blue team. Red, you'll be on that side. Blue will be over here. Or vice versa. It doesn't matter. Red, over here. Come on over here. The disciples further divide themselves into a runner and a thrower. The runner will carry the fish. Uh, let's see. This is the fish right here. The runner will carry the fish. Okay, I'll give that to you. One of you guys can decide to be the runner. The other of you will be the thrower. Okay, now here's what will happen. Oh, look at the crowd taking the cues. Yeah. Only crowd. We've done this now six times. No one else has done this. Feed me, feed me, feed me. Now here's how this will work. Runners, you will take this tuna fish all the way around from this outside aisle, out and back and around to this side if you're the red team. Blue team, you'll start over there doing the exact opposite. You'll run up there all the way around then back across the front to the feed me signs. Does that make sense with me? You'll drop off the, off the tuna, the outside, all the way outside the whole, it's going to be crazy. Okay? <laughs> and then you're going to drop off the tuna fish, jump back on stage, the first team to be back up here wins. Now, here's the deal. Those of you who are the throwers will do this. Jen, show us how it's done to feed the 5,000. Let's make sure these guys understand what it looks like over here. <laughs> That's it. I'm sorry, man. That's because you stood up earlier. We're just trying to make sure you're aware. That's how we actually do this, all right? Now, so Frisbee guy, you want to be down over here, toward, kind of near that microphone? You want to be down there towards that, towards that you know, kind of sign over there? Food runner, you over there next to him? The crowd, anticipating an awesome race, begins to count down from five, four, three, Two, one, go. You better want it. It's a compa- Oh, that is a runner. We have a jogger and a runner. Red team finding their way to the back. Blue already through. No, blue. Other next one. There we go. Oh, there's a chance for red team to make up some ground. A little loss in the doors. Tortillas are flying. People making their ways down. Red getting a chance. <laughs> Wrong door again. He drops off the food. He drops the food off at the feed me sign. Still a chance for blue. Red making his way up here. Blue making his way up here. It looks like red is our winner. The red team embraces on the stage. They do a special dance that they invented together for their victory. It's their Olympic moment. Fireworks go off. They scream like eagles. <laughs> they scream louder so everyone can hear them scream like eagles. Perfect. The disciples realize it's all good news because everybody got fed and they come together and celebrate together. All the disciples get together and they do the special Jesus handshake that only they know. <laughs> oh, it's a tender moment on stage right there. <laughs> the crowd cheers wildly. <laughs> the disciples hold hands and they take a team bow. They bow together. The boat comes out right now. And Jesus tells the disciples as the music fades, Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat. Get in the boat. Like a cowboy. Like a cowboy. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> very literal. That was very okay. literal. You Got know it. what? Why don't you guys get in the boat like a cowboy? I don't know what that means. <laughs> so good. And they row themselves off stage. The crowd thanks the disciples. The disciples wave to the crowd. <laughs> 
little slow. A little slow. It's even, like a cowboy. Oh, that was so good. Like a cowboy will just make me laugh the rest of the day. Uh, <laughs> Jesus dismisses the crowd with a traditional Aramaic phrase meaning, you're great. Aramaic. It's a language nobody speaks. You can make it up. Just make up some sounds. Bukadawa. Bukadawa. The crowd thanks Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Jesus bows. Jen takes Jesus' mic so he can, like, you know, leave the stage. You can give her your mic now. Yeah. All right. The crowd thanks Jen for all her work. Great job, you guys. Great job, disciples. The crowd thanks our helpers, our assistants to make that work. All right. Um, you guys, like we said, we want to give you a chance to see that, you know, we want to put our kids in the Bible, that there's a chance that they'd be able to interact with it in a fun way. And, you know, yes, there's a little bit of creative license obviously taken about Matthew chapter 14, but the gist of it's there. And um, it's our heart that you, you would know and our, our kids would know about what it means to, to follow Jesus in a real authentic way. And it's our hope that you'd be able to be a contributor in that, that there's a huge need for people to care about kids and to love them and to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. You know, when I was, uh, when I was about 13 years old, uh, maybe 14, I, I met someone who modeled what it looked like to follow Jesus. And he was my neighbor, and he was a guy who um, I spent a lot of time in his house, often uninvited, probably more often than not uninvited. I just showed up and expected that it was wonderful that I was there, and they were so glad to have me. And um, he ended up being my youth pastor. He ended up being my, my mentor and a friend of mine. And uh, I go to him and ask him and his wife about how to be a better parent. I ask him what it means to follow Jesus, and he's, you know, one of my favorite people in the world. I know that for those of you guys who have got a chance to already meet him and know him, he's one of your favorites as well. And um, so I'm really honored that he's here today. His name's Doug Fields, and he's going to speak to us today. So would you welcome Doug? Well, good morning, everybody. It is great, great to be here. Last night, I was so scared how I was going to follow that because I was sitting there watching it thinking, oh, please have a song, do something, do something afterwards, and, and they, they didn't, and I panicked a little bit, but now I've kind of prepared my heart to follow whatever that was. I've invited some people that have never been to church before that are actually here, and I thought, oh, there'll be a great lawsuit when they've been damaged by a tortilla. So, <clears throat> but let me just pause and say to those of you that work with children, that have committed some of your time to care for them and teach them God's ways, thank you. Not as a pastor, as a dad. My kids grew up in the church. They're now, you know, 23, 21, and 17. But they sat every single week in Sunday school and learned the stories of the Bible and learned about Jesus from people like you. So thank you for that, that valuable, valuable time commitment. Not only that you give up each week at church, but you're making an eternal investment in young people's lives. Statistics tell us that most people make a commitment to follow Jesus before the age of 18. So those of you that invest your, your volunteer time, your help time to anybody under the age of 18, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, when I was here a month ago, I told you that, uh, you know, my claim to fame around Mariner's Mission Viejo is being Jeff McGuire's youth pastor because he's loved so much here, and I threatened that I would bring a picture of him when he was in high school, and I'm living up to my commitment. This is Jeff in high school, and Jeff was the, <laughs> Jeff was the homecoming king, and he loves to tell people that. What he doesn't like to tell people is that he was homeschooled, so... <laughs> In his house, everybody was the winner, if you know what I mean, all right? Uh, 
I often tell Jeff's mom that I would wrestle her to see who would be the, uh, the president of the Jeff McGuire fan club. I'm so, so proud of the way that God has uh, used him and how he's turned out. And I know that he blesses you with his teaching. Isn't he great? Yeah. <clears throat> well, how are we going to follow the feeding of the 5,000? We're going to look at the event that happened right after that in the book of Matthew. We're in this series called Uncontrollable. With the idea here is that as much as we'd like to control life, the truth is God is uncontrollable. We can't control God, and he does some wild things. So if you have your Bible, turn to chapter Matthew chapter 14. If you use it on your phone or an iPod, turn it on. If you want to raise your hand, uh, it will hand you a Bible. And as all that is happening, let me ask you a, a question. Fill in the blank. People get scared when? Talk to me. People get scared when? Doesn't have to be you. Could be somebody else. They don't know what's going to happen. They get scared when else? When they're alone. When they're put on the spot, just like right now. When change. You guys aren't familiar with change here, but I understand that brings fear. Okay, people are afraid when? When they get pulled over. Okay? little personal story there. I understand. <laughs> Any other fear hits you when what? When you lose a job. Absolutely. It's been happening a lot the last few years. If you were people in my world, you might say, we get scared when we visit the Fields' house. I've raised my kids in a scary home. Uh, when they were little, we didn't play hide and seek. We played hide and scare. Because that was more fun. I'm sure my kids will be in therapy someday. But the, the truth is, is that we scare people when they come into our house. No one is off limits. Visitors, door-to-door solicitors. You know, when my mom was alive on her walker, we would scare her. It, it doesn't matter. No one is safe. We hide uh, around corners, in closets, under tables. And uh, that's just the kind of, the, well, four of the five of us do it. My lovely wife who's here, she doesn't, she gets scared a lot, but she doesn't do the scaring. And, and that's okay because I've replicated myself so that I could have a fifth person to scare, is I have a cardboard cutout of myself. We call this Scary Doug. And Scary Doug goes up against beds at night when my kids are sleeping. I hide Scary Doug in the shower. Uh, this summer, Scary Doug has been right inside the door of my house. So that when people, every once in a while, when I'm not thinking, I walk in and I scare myself uh, right, right there. And uh, that's, just, that's just how we live our life. Now, if Scary Doug doesn't get you, I also have another uh, one that I use, Mr. T. Okay, that's another one. I hide him in different places as well. And I, I pity the fool who gets scared by Mr. T. Now, some of you are going, okay, one, who is this guy? And two, bring back Jeff. Now, um, but I, I want you to think about being, being frightened, fearful just for a second, because really there are two levels of fear. You've got fear over here, and I would call this the, the surface fear. This is where something kind of grabs you real quick, like getting pulled over, you're scared, boo, wet your pants, done. Okay, it's the surface fear. Then over here, you, you have what's really the much deeper fear. This is the fear that you and I don't like to talk about, but it actually impacts the way that we live our lives. Subtly and not so subtly, that fear influences and impacts how we continue on in, in our journey. Now, unfortunately... I am much more familiar with fear than I would like 
to be. And I actually don't want to even, you know, I'm, sometimes I'm fearful about sharing my fears, but I think they're, they're common. You'll be able to identify with them, I think. Uh, I'll share some of them. You know, I have the fear of failure. You know, a lot of people have the fear of speaking in front of people. I, I don't have that fear, but I have the fear of failing when I speak in front of people, that I wouldn't have anything significant or helpful to say. Uh, not only the fear of failure, but I, I have the fear of being fully known. That I think one of the dreams that most of us have in our life is we want to be fully known. If you and I were to go to coffee and sit knee to knee and eye to eye and talk about your life, you would say, Doug, yeah, I want, I want somebody to know everything about me. I want to be fully known, fully loved, but fully accepted. And the fear with that is that if I expose myself to other people, what if they don't accept me? What if they don't love me? And I, I totally understand that fear. There, I also have the fear of the unknown. That's a third fear. That, you know, thinking about the, the future, the, um, there's parts of life I want to control, and I'm, when I can't control others or outcomes, the fear of the future, and it makes risk-taking difficult, it makes decision-making difficult. And there's a fourth fear, and I'm embarrassed to kind of admit this one, that sometimes I'm, I'm afraid of the fear of li- really living out my faith. I mean, really living it out. A lot of us aren't fearful to say, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm part of that club. I go to that church. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. Trusted Christ when I was, heard that little feeding the 5,000 story. That got me. You know, I, I love the way Jesus said, walk like a cowboy. You know, whatever. I, I just, man, that, that, that helped me cross the line. But it's one thing to identify with that Christian label. It's another thing to really live your life and redirect the course of your life based on the person and the teachings of Jesus. What happens if you really do that? That makes me fearful. Now, I don't think I'm alone in these fears, am I? That's actually a question. Let me try that again. I'm, I'm not alone in these fears, am I? No. As a matter of fact, if you could identify with one of those, at least one of those four fears, raise your hand. Okay? And as you raise your hand, look around. Because I want you to see that you're not alone. And people who didn't raise their hand, they have the fear of telling the truth. Okay? Now, I don't know what your specific fears are. Those are kind of four biggies. And those biggies oftentimes give birth to what I would call maybe more minor fears, very real fears, but there are are really thousands of them. The fear that you're going to be single your whole life, the fear that your marriage may not make it, your fear that you can't find a job, the fear that you're not going to get into the college of your choice, the fear that you're going to to grow old and not have any significant friends, your fear of parents, their kids are not going to turn out the way that you've dreamt them to turn out, or parents of little kids, you see your kids jumping up and down here on stage and singing, the fear that, you know what, someday blink and those kids are going to move out of your house or the fear of parents whose kids have already moved out of the house that the fear that they might move back in okay (laughs) or now that you've heard about my house the fear that you might actually be invited over to my house but here's the point you're not alone in your fears not in this room and really not in the circle of faith that we read about in God's word that those who are the closest followers of Jesus, what we know as the disciples, they had a significant amount of fear. 
And yet Jesus treated them as if they had the the power and authority of the kingdom of God, and yet they were still fearful. I mean, they were right next to Jesus, God in the flesh. They had that going for them, and they still lived these these fearful lives. I mean, in that feeding of the 5,000, when Jesus says to them, they, they go, Jesus, you know, these people are hungry. And Jesus says, you feed them. Imagine the fear. Because Jesus wasn't doing that as a trick. He wasn't doing that to be condemning. Jesus believed they had the power and the authority of God. You feed, he wasn't going, you feed them. Psych, you can't really feed them. I'm just kidding. I'm God. You're not. You guys are so easy to fool. No, he believed that they could. And that's consistent with Scripture that they had access to God's power, but they retracted from it because of their fear. This is where we pick up the context of this story. Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already considerable distant from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, so now we're talking hours later, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When he heard the disciples, I'm sorry, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Now let's pause here just for a second. Terrified and it's a ghost. Now, one of the things I learned when I was a teenager, when I first started reading the Bible, is that if you really want to get a big picture of the Bible and look at it from different angles, is that when you read an event, put yourself in the middle of that story. So as I put myself there, and I see the words frightened, and it's a ghost, I can kind of understand that because I know at times what makes me fearful. Like when I wake up in the middle of the night, usually at this age that I'm at, it's to go to the bathroom. I am, I'm a little disoriented when I wake up in the middle of the night, even though I'm walking to the toilet. Because I, I talk to myself to try to convince myself that I'm not awake. You're not awake. You're fine. You're okay. Just walk down. You're actually, you're, you're dreaming. You just have to go to the bathroom. Get there. Get there. You're not awake. You're not awake. It's okay. You'll get there, boy. You know, it's that type of thing. And I live kind of in this little bit of confusion. So in this scene with Jesus kind of being woken up by the winds and the waves and seeing somebody, whoa, what, you know, I, I get that. I can see the confusion. I can feel the fear. But Jesus meets them. Right in the midst of their fear. Verse 27. Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Now, the Greek word for I, when Jesus says it is I, it's literally I am. He's saying, fear not, I am. Now, at a first glance, you might say, who cares? But for some of you, you recognize the power of I am. The identical words that Jesus used in John chapter 8 when he said, before Abraham was, I am. It's when Jesus first took on that divinely nature, I am. Which is the same way if you flip back to the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush, when Moses says, who am I going to tell the Pharaoh sent me? And God says, tell him, I am 
sent you. I am is the, it's God revealing himself that he has divine power over nature as Yahweh. Okay, the, the God of the Old Testament. There's something about that name, I am. It actually makes me think of that, that song, Jesus, Jesus. Some of you know this? There's something about what? That name. Yeah, and some of you are like, oh, I'm glad you don't lead worship. Yeah, I know, me too. That's why I, I, I teach. There's something about that name. It was the name I am that breathed life into this universe. It was the name I am that parted the Red Sea. It was the name I am that infused himself into the belly of a young virgin named Mary. This I am is the uncontrollable nature of God. Now, 2,000 years later to where we are today, for most of us in here, I am doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it doesn't have a, a sense of power. It doesn't move us to a place of comfort because here's what happens. When you have comfort, you have courage. Without comfort, you don't have courage. When the sense of comfort, your courage is there. But I am doesn't mean anything to us. But think about what does mean something to us today. Presence, voice, name. Those are things that you and I can identify with that bring us comfort. So last week, we are at church. And my wife and I walk up to this couple who had just moved here. Really, really cool couple. They have a uh, seven-month-old baby boy. Cute, cute, cute. The guy has eaten his life away. It's right in his cheeks. I mean, cutest little boy. And my, my wife, some of our friends who have little kids, they call Kathy Mother Earth. Because Kathy's just this baby magnet. And again, my kids are, are older, so we haven't done the baby thing in a long time. So Kathy goes to relieve the mom, and some new moms want to be relieved. So, so Kathy grabs the boy and starts bouncing. And she's like the horse whisperer. It's one of those things with babies. I'm the horse terror. Like kids look at me and they start screaming. And, or if I scare them first. Uh, but anyway, so Kathy's got the baby. And she's just kind of bouncing her and doing the, what you moms do. And then all of a sudden, the baby explodes. Okay, not, not literally, although that'd be a great video. Uh, it, it just you know, starts screaming and crying and making a fuss. And you should see my wife. She's like, oh, no, you don't. Oh, no. You know, she kind of do, does her mom thing, whatever that is, you know. Oh, grabbing the head. You know. And But the, the kid, the baby boy, sees mom, and he's just reaching out and just screaming and screaming and screaming. And even Mother Earth can't calm him down. And then Kathy hands the baby back, and you know what happens, right? Shoo. Nothing, no noise, because the baby boy was in the comfort, in the presence of mom, voice, presence, okay? Baby, let's move to senior citizen, the, just the whole other age range. Before my dad died, he had Parkinson's disease, a nasty, debilitating disease that the way that I explain it is if they can't get the medications right, I call it a medication cocktail, the body starts to shake, the nervous system falls apart, begins to cry, becomes emotional. Doctors, nurses couldn't calm my dad down at different times. And even when he was off his medication, at his very worst, when nobody could calm him down, I could put my arms around him. And I could kiss him on the cheek. Say, Dad, it's me, Doug, your son. 
all of a sudden, peace. Even a little smile on his face. You and I understand this picture of comfort. That's the picture I want you to have as you look at this text. The Jesus who he sees the people that he loves so much, he doesn't want them to live in fear. And he says, I am. Hey, hey, you guys. Well, it's me. I am. Take courage. And see, at this point, it had been a great story if that's where it ended. They're like, oh, okay, you know, he hops in the boat like a cowboy. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's there. And everybody's high-fiving. Jesus, that, woo, you should have seen Bartholomew's face. He was so scared. I mean, Jesus, you've got, you've got power over everything. I mean, you know, you turned water into wine. You fed the 5,000. You've walked on water. What's next? You're going to raise Lazarus from the... Oh, you're going to do that in a few chapters? Okay, you know, he just, I mean, that would have been cool if that would have ended it right there. But this event is far from over. Because it triggered the faith of Peter. And what does Peter do? Peter hops out. Watch this, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, I love this word, it's circled in my Bible, immediately. I just love that. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? There's so much happening in just these four verses. And i got to let you know from the beginning, I'm a big defender of Peter. I know a lot of people that teach the Bible that are up here bash Peter. I don't bash Peter because uh, Peter's the only guy that got out of the boat. Okay? Everybody else stayed safe in the boat. But Peter's passion, his faith was triggered where he's, he's popping out of the boat. Now, he, Peter had passion. He didn't always have the best you know, follow-through. Like in Luke 22 when he... Peter goes, ah, I will, Jesus, I will never deny you. I'm never going to, I will die before I deny you. And then he denies him three times, and the, the rooster crows. Or in John 18, when they come to arrest Jesus, and Peter's so passionate, he pulls out a sword and cuts off the ear of a soldier. You know, not a great, not a great fighter. Uh, you know, not, you know just, just gets the ear. Okay, so Peter, is, he's got what I call passion without application. And then when I think about it, you know what, you guys? It's kind of like me. That could describe me. Maybe you too. We got a lot of passion. And we go to church with passion. We gotta get get there. We sing with passion. We can raise our arms with passion. We can even say we're Christians with, with passion. It's the application part that gets a little tricky, doesn't it? The living it out. You got scene one, you got to give props to Peter. He jumps out of the boat with faith and passion. Scene two, he, he sinks. And what's interesting about this scripture is the scripture says that because of the uncontrollable I am nature of God, that Peter's actually walking. It doesn't say that he jumped in, fell right into the water. It says he's walking towards Jesus. He's not being engulfed by the waves. He's actually walking and then Fear grips him, and he sinks. And then Jesus asks him a very legitimate question. Why did you doubt? 
You know, and depending on what your view of Jesus is, is the tone of which you would read that. For some of you, you'd read it very condemning and criticizing because you think that's how Jesus views you. Why did you doubt? For some of you, you understand his love for you is so great and his compassion for you is so strong. It's more of a, why doubt? I think he could ask me that every single day. Doug, why doubt? Doug, you know how much I love you? How much I care about you? Why, why don't you trust me? Because you and I, every single day of our lives, we have choices. And our choice is, we can either go this way, which is our way, which is our kingdom, our will be done, or we can go the way of Jesus and go after his kingdom. So I'm either going over here, I'm relying on my power, or I'm depending on his power. And really, in a very literal sense, when I walk my own way, what I'm really saying is, Jesus, I may have passion for you, but I don't, I don't really trust you. That's what you're saying, too. When you walk your own way, you're saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm trying to control this situation because I don't think you can control it. Jesus, when I go there, I'm trying to manipulate people because I don't, I don't think, I don't trust that you have power to, to change them. Jesus, I'm, I'm trying to conquer my enemies over here because it's a lot easier than loving them. I'm, I'm walking this way and I'm throwing the first punch because it's a lot easier to do that than, than turn my cheek. I'm trying to go big with my life because truth be told, I think Jesus is just too small. That's what it means when you and I walk our own way. Let me give you my own walking on water illustration. Actually, it's less of walking on water. It's more walking into water. The last few years, I've really been, I've been picturing my relationship with Jesus a little bit different. I've, I've pictured him calling me to stand with him in a stream. And as I stand with him in a stream, I'm holding his hand. And I know that doesn't sound very manly to us guys in this culture, but in other cultures, I was in Africa last year, and I've been there several times. In Africa, elder men who have best friends, they hold their best friend's hand. And they walk around town holding their best friend's hand. And it's actually a sign in that culture of respect and honor. If you're a man that has somebody to hold their hand, it's this picture of, of a best friend. And, and I stand in this stream, this, this image that I have of Jesus, and I'm holding his hand. And Jesus says, Doug, this stream represents your life. And there are some things in your life that are already, they've already gone downstream. And you know what, Doug? I've already forgiven you of those things. Those are past. Those are gone. And there's stuff ahead that's making you anxious and it's making you nervous and you're worrying about it and you're getting angst. I just want to stand here with you and let you know that it's going to come to you. And when it comes to you, I'm going to be here with you. See, a lot of my life, what I do is I try to chase my past. I try to kind of plug up the holes and even though I've been forgiven, I still am bringing it up and dealing with it. And when I want to let go of his hand, it's that word immediately, he immediately reaches out and grabs it. Or when I'm fearful of the future, I want to try to control things or situations or people. I'm running ahead. I want to run ahead and Jesus grabs my hand. 
Come on, I'm here with you. Just be. I am. Let it come to us. That's the image I want you to see there. And look at the result of this event. When they climbed out of the boat, verse 32, the wind, or climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him. (laughs) Well, of course. What else is there to do? Saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now today, I don't, I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if you're one who would say, truly, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I don't know if you're one who has already put your faith in the hand of I am. What I do know about you is Jesus doesn't want you to live with fear anymore. He doesn't want that deeper fear to paralyze you and immobilize you and keep you from living the kingdom life that he has for you. So many people I talk to, this is why I want you to get this, so many people I talk to are devastated by their fears. A lot of times they don't even recognize it. And then when we will share a meal or talk or do whatever and you hear these fears, these fears kind of summarize themselves into a, into a couple stereotypes. They, they are, I'm not, I can't, and I won't. This is what most people are saying. I'm not, I can't, and I won't. They're, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I know, I know my past. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. I know what I've, I've been through. I know my thoughts. I know my dark side. I'm not good enough. Then there is the, I can't. I can't live this Jesus life. I can't. I'm such a screw-up. I'm such a disappointment. I mean, you guys are asking me to get involved with children's and, and help and serve here. I, I can't. I mean, if people knew, I, I just, I can't serve here. Or a third is, I won't. You know, I just, I, I won't be vulnerable anymore. I won't be vulnerable anymore with, with my love. I won't be vulnerable anymore with, with opening up, with feelings, with prayer. Because, you know what, God and other people, they haven't come through. And I'm just not going to be hurt anymore. I just, I just won't. And I don't know which one describes you or what your fear is. You do. But I do know that today, Jesus is inviting you into the water. He's inviting you into the water. Some of you, you just need to jump over the side. For some of you, maybe you just need to walk into the stream. I don't know what picture works best for you, but what I do know is that Jesus wants to meet you and your fears with his presence and with his power and with his name, I am. If you're saying, I'm not, what do you think he's saying? Talk to me. I am. That's exactly right. You're saying, I'm not. He's saying, I am. You're saying, I can't. He's saying what? All right. One more to go. You're saying, I won't. He's saying, I am. You know what's a great thing about today? You and I, we're invited to live the kingdom life now. 
where there's the presence and the power of God. So many of my Christian friends, here's what they do. They've got eternal life out there when they die. They're just waiting until they die. They're kind of white knuckling this ride called life until they die. They're missing out on the kingdom living now to jump out of the boat, to step into the stream, to hold the hand of I am who's uncontrollable and doesn't fit into our little finite box of our mind who says, I don't want you to live that way anymore. These fears that are paralyzing you, I want you to reach out to my hand and know I am. Now, here's how we're going to close in prayer. I want you to take a fear, just one. One fear, maybe the first one that comes to your mind. That's been my prayer this weekend, that the Holy Spirit would bring it to you. You take that fear, and as we pray, I just want you to put it in your hand just like this, okay? You don't need to lift it in the air. You don't have to get weird with it. Just put it here. Put that fear right here, okay? Let's pray together. Jesus, you know my fear. I release it to you. Now just open your hands. Just let, it, let that fear drop into the water. Okay. Or if it works better for you, put it into the hand of Jesus. Jesus, you know these fears are keeping me from living the kingdom life that you have for me. You promised that you came to give me life and a better life than I've ever dreamt of. And yet, I'm... I'm terrorized by these fears. I'm consumed by what's ahead. And today, Jesus, I want to commit to just step into the water with you, to hold your hand, to just be, and to let you be I am. Would you meet my I can't and I won't and I'm not with your I am? Thank you for your love and your compassion that we don't have to stand or walk through life alone. It's in that good news that we pray in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen.